Hi, this is Marielena Loss. I'm here with Elias from the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias. Maria Elena, welcome to the cave. Thank you for having me. How are you? Elias. Elias. Yes, Elias in, Sp- in uh, Elias. Spanish. Yes, that's right. That was my that's grandfather's right. name. Really? Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a pop. I'm from Greece. Well, I'm from, my family's from Greece, so it's a popular name oh. in Greece. That's sweet. How's like everything with you? Uh, excellent. Yeah, thank you for joining me, like I said. Uh, thank you. How's, uh, how's life treating you these days? Life is interesting. Life is, you know how life continues, even though most of us are in the quietest time right. because of COVID. It, yeah. it still has a way of coming up, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I'm currently in Houston, which I got here back in March, thinking I was only going to be here for a couple of weeks, and now wow. I'm I'm still here. <laughs> so. you, you've been fil- you've been filming there. Is that what it is? No, no, COVID. My my parents are here, okay. and then I ended up getting married. So oh wow, all that, congratulations! All that happened this this past Congrats. year. Thank you. Wow, wow. So yeah, I mean the listeners and the viewers, you know, they know you for recently from the Warrior as Rosalita. You've done uh, mm-hmm. Vida. You've been you've been you've been busy the last few years. Yes, yes, I have. That's good. Yeah. That's good in our business because there are years when you're not, and others when you are. So. That's for us yeah. lifers. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> up and down. Be- before we dive into some of your projects, I want to know, like, how did you fall in love with acting? Mm-hmm. What made you pursue it? Oh, okay. Well, I, um, I knew it from a really, I knew it from a really young age. So from, gosh, when I was about six years old, I mean, I, I was doing every school play and everything, but I yeah. walked into a black box theater and I was so mesmerized. And for whatever reason, I, I had decided that was my home and I just wanted to be there. And, and it's something that I was so clear about always from when I was small, you can ask my parents, it's what I always wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, I started professionally at 13. So I, it's just, it's just always been there for me. Wow. Well, yeah. well I, when I was doing some research, I noticed that uh, uh, you grew up in like in Saudi Arabia and Japan also like tell us yes. a little bit about that. Um, yeah, well, I'm from Puerto Rico, born in Puerto Rico, raised in Saudi Arabia and Japan. I went to, um, um, God, you know what, can you hear that vacuum cleaner in the back? <laughs> I hope not. I <laughs> just want to make sure you don't hear the vacuum cleaner. Anyway, I, I uh, yeah, so I grew up in Saudi Arabia and Japan, and it was obviously very, very different and very interesting. In Saudi Arabia, we lived, we didn't, a, a lot of uh, Westerners who live in Saudi Arabia live in these uh, in these camps that are basically, um, you know, just uh, away from from you know from the locals. And yeah. inside inside those compounds, you can, you know, uh, women can wear shorts, women can drive, you can drink, all all this stuff. And but that's that, that wasn't our case. We we lived out with the Saudis, so we had the same rules. And I you know I started covering myself when I was eleven, and. Uh, and it was just, it was a different, a completely different reality. We had a little bit dangerous walking around as, as a girl. And there's, 
it's it's a very very strict very strict country so um you know prayer time five times a day so everything would shut down if you're in the supermarket and you're grabbing stuff and they turn off the lights and you have to leave you know the cart where it is and you know for prayer time before you come back in and it was I, for me, I loved it just because I was part of the international community. Everything revolved around the school because our mothers didn't work. Only our dads did because, you know, they couldn't. And so, so it was, it was sort of like a, a fun little, I, I can it to like, it's a small world at Disneyland, right? Where, where you have people from all these different countries. And then every, every week at school, there were different uh, festivities, which is really nice. Maybe somebody was you know, different types of food or in, in school festivals and, and um, celebrating holidays from different cultures. So, so there are things about it that I, that I really loved, you know, even though we were in a very strict country with not I, much to do. Wow. Yeah. Well, how did you, like, how did you end up there, by the way? What did your parent, what did your father do for oh, work? Oh, my father was in the oil business. So he's a, okay. a petrochemical engineer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is, is that how you ended up in Japan also? Was Also, yeah. So he was, the first time we were in Japan is is when I was five um, okay. and uh, for kindergarten, and then we came back uh, when I was in middle school. And so, yeah, it was just it was different different um, uh, projects, right? That yeah. led him back and forth. And so, and of course, Japan is a completely completely different right, thing. My, right. at, at, you know, at thirteen, I had a midnight curfew. It was it was the safest place ever, ever. And just absolutely wonderful and, and so fun and definitely one of the highlights. But yeah, just a lot of, a lot of, and then of course we would, uh, my mom's family and I'm from Puerto Rico. So we would always spend the summers there. And then my dad's family is in Texas. So we would usually be Christmas time. And so wow. got all, all sorts of moving around. Yeah. So after like you graduated high school and you knew uh-huh. this was going to be your plan. What was right, the next step? Right. And what was like your like parents' reaction also? They're like, I'm gonna get into acting. This is what I want to do. I, you know, I think <laughs> I think I think my parents were a little different. My dad would have preferred that I have nothing to do with it. And <laughs> he just couldn't really, you know, see how how someone could make a career out of it. And also yeah. something where I, you know, I came in, I came to LA not not knowing anybody, right? I actually moved yeah. with my parents because my dad got transferred uh, for his job. And so so I I went with him and, and my mom. And so for him, it just seemed really daunting that I would even try something like this without knowing anybody and, right. and, and everything. And then my mom, I think, you know, she's always gotten a kick out of it and thought it was kind of fun and, and wanted to sort of pay back and see what's going on and, and very helpful and very supportive in that way. But I just, I, I was very lucky. I got to LA and I lived in this place called, it was called Oakwood at the times. So I'm not sure what it's called now, it's, but it's right next to Warner Brothers uh, Studios. And it's a place where it was very popular with people who come in for pilot season. And you would see kids and the, the kids managers. And, right. and it, was, it was a very LA place. And so that was, that was where we lived. And sure enough, I met someone down the hall who was in his 80s, although he wouldn't admit to it so I think he said he was probably in his late 60s at the time that was an old uh, was a retired musical theater producer that had worked with all these greats with Fred Astaire and with like yeah. he, I, he, he like lots of people right and he's the one who actually uh introduced me to his son who was an acting teacher 
and said, oh, that's what you, you're going to do and you're interested. I'm like, yeah. And so I, I quickly just kind of figured it out and went to, uh, got myself a commercial agent, booked my very first audition, which interestingly enough was a union commercial. Um, okay. I was told to lie and say that I was SAG eligible, even though I wasn't at all. And so they didn't figure that out until we were three hours outside of LA on location and they were doing my paperwork from a trailer and realized that I wasn't actually SAG. Um, but it got me into the union. And so I, yeah. And, and from there, it's just, it was, it was beginner's luck also because it was my very first commercial audition. Wow. So I kind of didn't necessarily know what I was doing. And I actually that, that audition, this is how much I didn't know what I was doing. So the first audition, it said something about that I'm a construction worker. So I didn't, I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, here I am. I'm not even still a teenager. Like I, I you know what I mean? And I, uh, as a construction worker, so I go there and then I get the call back and it says that you are um, a casual. Like, and I thought, oh my gosh, how can I be more casual than I was as a construction worker? So I went in there with greasy hair. I looked absolutely awful. I had a, a stained shirt, all baggy. I, I tried to look as, as bad as I could possibly look. And it was for Ford Mustang commercial. And they had us um, audition and they had, they had two of us in the car, like we're on a road trip, these two girls and we're having fun and whatever. And then they brought, um, and they said, okay, so everybody, you know, are, are both of you guys are on a road trip. Okay. So she starts on her thing and I just went immediately and I went, right. Like I'm smoking a joint and, uh, and I just acted as if I was stoned the whole wow. thing. I was like, yeah, dude, you know, whatever. And I leave the room and this girl gets so angry with me. And she said, that was so unprofessional. You can't do that. The drugs are, you know, no reference yeah. to drugs and audition, <laughs> whatever. And I, and I was mortified. I was so embarrassed, and, but they gave me the commercial. And of oh, course wow. I didn't look, you know, they dressed me up and, and put makeup on me. So uh, it was just, the whole thing was, was kind of a funny way of starting my journey in LA. Wow. And That's a great story to career. tell people at the so. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, so when when you, you don't know, uh-huh. So when you were doing like the acting lessons and you had your commercial, how many more commercials did you, did you do after that? Oh gosh, um, easily, easily at least like 150. Wow. I've done a lot of commercials. That has been my bread and butter. Um, there's some there's some people where I've done a chunk of, you know, like Applebee's I did as a waitress. I did, I think maybe like 12 or 13, but you know, so yeah. it's, it's, um, so I did get some repeat clients also with Old Navy and Garnier. So that was, but yeah, I've been, I've been doing it. Um, I've done a lot of those, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those. No, and they've I've been had... fun. Some of them are like little movies. I did one with yeah. George Clooney. It was the very first Nespresso ad that was ever done. And it was a minute long and it was, it was, it was like a, a little film. It was yeah. fun. Like I've had previous guests before. They're like, I uh -huh. love doing commercials. Cause they're like, you yep. know, what if I have a six month period of no work? I can exactly. go do a commercial or two and wait for the next project to come up that's the thing is i mean i that obviously it's on the dream it's not like you, right, you, right. you know you came in order to do commercials but but i'm so grateful to them they are you know they're my side job they're my hustle right yeah. and so i've i've never there are only a couple of types of commercials that i wouldn't do just because i'm personally against it like i i wouldn't i wouldn't do um pharmaceuticals i'm just it's something that i'm not you know I, I love that there are all those disclaimers at the end, but that doesn't feel right to me. 
but in general, I'm I'm pretty good. And even things, even products that I wouldn't necessarily use go use yeah. or visit or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't mind because there are other people that, that it serves a purpose and, and they like it. So right. I, I try to look at the bigger picture and these things. Mm. Yeah. So while you're doing these commercials and you're auditioning for like TV shows, like what was like one of your mm. like first gigs or movies that you got? Well, one of the, uh, one of the first movies I did was the hot chick, which was super fun. It was the one with Rob Schneider where he switched right. his body. Yeah. And, um, and I, I played his, his nemesis or her nemesis, like the bad person right from the other high school yeah. um, the the cheerleader from the other high school and that was for me that was really awesome but what happened is because my first audition I booked and I went to the union got into the union and I was still young I had um uh, I went straight into the big league so I was competing with all these people that had been they had been working since they were 10 15 yeah. years old and had resumes and and I also I was still green with some of my auditioning and figuring things out. So when I did, when I would book work, it was, it was really exciting to me, but I would still be very nervous. And, and I remember when I did the hot chick, we went to cheer camp. We had to learn how to, how to, uh, for cheerleading. And it was for a couple of months and it was pretty hardcore. And when the time came to film, I, I'm supposed to be the team captain of the, the, the state champions, right? And so I have to pull things off and they didn't give us stunt uh, doubles, which, which is really odd because I get stunt doubles for like the most random things. I mean, the hot chick, they gave me a stunt double for the headbutt that I didn't need because I did it in one take, but there were, uh, but for, for cheer, we didn't have any stunt doubles. So we were learning how to do these jumps and uh, flip and, you know, and all that. And so uh, when it came time to film, I remember feeling really, overwhelmed like I was in over my head and what am I doing is it was, it was that's one of the times I got the imposter syndrome like I don't even belong here what's happening we were filming and at the time it was still on film so it cost a lot of money every second every frame cost a lot of money and they were and they were using a couple of cameras and we were in the stadium and they had um, a few hundred extras plus they had hundreds of cutout people and the cutout people look like real people right and then on the floor with us for this cheerleading competition, they had gotten real high school cheer teams. So here are these girls on the sides doing their, their warm-ups and stretches yeah. and giving me the stink eye. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm supposed <laughs> to be the best one here from every and and I and it was it was so I was so nervous. The whole thing really freaked me out. I you know, I, I look at it and, and thank goodness I cover, I was able to cover that. Uh, but on the inside, I was, I just like wanted that very long day to be over. I was wow. so scared. How, how long did it take you to, to like learn the moves for that? Do you remember? Well, it, well, the cheer camp, it was a couple months. I mean, oh, wow. we were, oh yes, we, we were, we were working yeah. hard. Yeah. Did you like when you, when you said you felt like you couldn't wait for it to end? Did you like start having thoughts? Okay, like if I'm not gonna do this, what's next for me in life? Or no, no, no. Meaning when I was filming, I, I couldn't wait for it to end because I I was so nervous that I was okay. that I was gonna mess up, that I was gonna yeah. fall over, that I was gonna ruin everything, that that I was maybe I was ruining things. Yeah. It, was, it was it was just that. It was oh wow. Just the negative self talk. 
but you got through it so that's all that matters yeah exactly so uh throughout your career like you've done multiple projects and what's been like your favorite my favorite (laughs) um they're all i mean everything's quite different i that's what's so awesome about this this business this industry is you get to live all these lives and, and be in all these different situations and and i I mean, I would like to talk about Warrior though, because Warrior is so oh, yeah, freaking amazing. And that, that in a way is, gosh, maybe that is my favorite because it was all encompassing. It wasn't just a, I'm in for, you know, 12, 14 hours or I'm in for a few days and then, yeah. you know, in and out. This was a, a five month process that was just incredible. I felt like I was walking on air the whole time it was the whole everything about it was was wonderful so it was like five incredible months wow all right let's jump into the warrior like all right for this this show you know obviously the listeners the viewers it was it first started off on cinemax now it's on hbo max streaming also you joined season two like did you think that this show become like such a cult like phenomenal like people are like are crazy about this show they are crazy it's awesome i when i joined when I joined the second season and we started filming, like it hadn't, it hadn't aired yet. Right. So no one had seen it. We were the only ones who saw it. I, you know, uh, with the audition process, like they, after I got it, they sent me the first eight episodes and then, and then everybody, all of us, when we got to Cape town, we watched nine and 10 together. And so we didn't, we didn't know. We looked at it and everybody's like, okay, well, we're proud of, 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 but we didn't, we weren't sure what was going to happen yet if the audience yeah. was going to, to connect to it or not. Now, I'm not surprised that there is this cult following. I am a little surprised it didn't happen sooner, only because it has all the ingredients. It is it, the Bruce Lee legacy, the, the, the amount of precision that's put into it in the fights with yeah. our incredible stunt coordinator, Brett, and, and the heart and the love put into it it was it, it just it has all the ingredients to touch people and and to become something that has yeah. a cult following for sure so i'm I, I think at the end of the day had it been on hbo max or hbo to begin with of course it would have it, it would have blown up sooner so um cinemax was just sort of like a little a little almost like a stepping stone in right. a way uh, because, because I, not that many people, even in my life, uh, there, there weren't that many people that were keen on subscribing to a, uh, to Cinemax for a couple months just to watch it. You know, they're like, ah, no, 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 we're going to wait. We're going to wait. Yeah. Was this, um, when you, uh, was this a, a self tape for Rosalito or was it a live audition? Oh, it was a self tape. I actually was really surprised by how, how it went down because it was, it was only one one self tape and wow. then I got a call it was, it was like seven in the morning my manager said hey are you up um, the creator of the show wants to Skype with you in 30 minutes I was like uh what show what audition what are you talking about and then he <laughs> told me I was like oh no so I not only did I need to get dressed but also I, I I had to look at my lines really quick because I didn't know if I if, if I needed to know them yeah. and I had had I think 10 auditions since then. And so I, I, you know, I, I, they were no longer in there memorized. And so I, I panicked. I only had time to put on a shirt, which nowadays 
that's what people do right. back then two years ago you know um it, it it wasn't the norm and i got on the phone with him and it lasted maybe five minutes at the most he asked me a couple questions uh he's like hey so what's up da, da, da. and he he's like okay so it's five months it's a job. you know he just told me a couple things uh, very basic things about the show and then he said he's like okay all right we're good I just want to make sure you weren't an asshole and that was it <laughs> I'm like okay awesome um and so and and I mean and then at that point it all happened fast because it was over uh, Christmas break so I had to quickly you know figure out housing in Cape Town go there so, in January so when you first when you first auditioned on self-tape you only get the lines when you read the script after you got the part, like, what was your reaction when you were reading about like your role and how you're going to play this character? Right. Well, I, the thing is that I, you know, we would only get sort of a couple of episodes yeah, right. at a time. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't sure yet. I mean, I knew that I knew that something was going to happen to Rosalita, something bad, yeah. um, you know, in, in episode six, but I didn't know what was going to happen I didn't know her backstory I didn't know I had created my own and the thing about the audition too is that they in my mind I thought she was going to be super tomboy so you know I thought it was you know hair back no makeup wearing only pants um and so that's the way that I approached the character and I also deepened my voice and just made her just like because she's a woman in a man's world. I'm like, okay, well, then she's like manning, you know, manning her up in a way, right? Yeah. And so when I got there and I saw that she wears all this jewelry and these incredible dresses and corsets and has this hair and fabulous makeup and all this, I was like, oh, whoa, okay. I'm, okay. Well, that means I'm going to need to bring some sexy into it because that that's not how I had envisioned her, right? Mm. So that, that definitely helped me in the uh, in the preparation of of Rosalita of Vega and also in in the voice because I there's a, a voice teacher and I, and I've actually worked on my voice for many years just because it's it's something that I learned that if, as a woman if you want to age well in this business and if you look at a lot of women who are leads on on series they have strong voices. And so I, and, and mine, when I was, you know, 20, 25 used to be it was really high pitched, girly sort of a voice. And so I, so I've been, you know, doing voice work consistently for God, 10 years, I consistently. So I, I had my, my coach do a, a warm up for me and record it for me. And so I would do, I'm sure I sound crazy in my trailer because it's like, it's, you know, all these, all these crazy sounds. And, and so that for me too, was really important as far as grounding her in, in a man's world where she would be taken seriously by them. So that was, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty much. And then, like I said, I had my own sort of backstory and everything. And then, and, you know, we did a lot of training, insane training, which was awesome. Every, you know, it was five days a week and it was with the stunt team and there are lots of them. And these guys are hardcore and some of these are martial artists. They've been doing it since they were little kids. So keeping up with them was not easy, but it was so fun learning, learning sort of foundations and Taekwondo and Jiu Jitsu and, 
so I was learning all these things and it wasn't until about two weeks before we shot episode six. They're like, actually, her thing is guns. I was like, uh-oh. So quickly I had to, you know, really learn right. my way around this very heavy uh, six shooter, right? And so, and make it and, you know, make it feel comfortable. And, and it's really important that she, that she know her guns really well because that, she, you know, she had this whole, have you watched it by the way? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm behind okay, a couple <laughs> episodes, but I have watched it. Yes. I actually okay, have some good. questions out. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Because like, I don't want to spoil things. No, no, no. You no, might no. be like, where is she going with this? No, no, but no, no. Yes. Anyway, knowing the gu- guns is really, really fun. Yeah. So like, so how would you like, like if I had to just, if I had to describe your character, I would say like, right. badass. Like, yeah. how would you, how would you describe her? Well, I, you know what? I knew you were going to ask this question because I listened to a couple of your other interviews and you always ask people this question. So what I did is I actually wrote down just so you can, the the breakdown. So you uh you can compare with what I did. Tell me me if I did it right. Okay. So Rosalita Vega, 30s, female, to play Mexican with an American accent. She runs a fight club in the Barbary Coast, a very savvy businesswoman working in a man's world. She's strong, intelligent, insightful, and independent. And while cool, tough, and in control, there's a real humanity to her. Someone we will be, uh, someone we will begin to really feel for. Comfortable with nudity and simulated sex, as there will be sex scenes with the lead character. So, it's a good way to describe yeah. it. That's awesome yeah. that you went back and looked up some of my interviews just to get an idea. How... Well, I know I, and, I, I and know you're comfortable. People you've you're comfortable. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who? Uh, what did you say? You, you knew some people that I interviewed. Yeah, I, I know. I, I a couple that's of my awesome. friends, like Jesse Garcia, Karen. Yeah, Strassi, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, like with this character, you know, like you said, you had some input on there. Like, what was some of the input that you put into the character? That I put into it. It. it yeah. The thing is, it it's um. You know, I. Well, there's my there there's there's. The actual backstory, right? So what happens yeah. in episode six is not something that I knew until a couple of weeks prior. So I had had my own. And and as far as bringing sexuality, that, that's something that I chose to bring, which wasn't there at my audition because it's not something that, that I thought. But once again, I saw the costumes yeah. and makeup and everything. Right. And I thought it was important to do. And it's just, she's, she's a mystery for the first few episodes. And so it was, it was important to to kind of to keep to keep that mystery if that makes sense yeah. uh, so that you so that you would know later why she was the way she was because there's something about her that that is very distracted but also you know has has this tough front but is very lonely and and I feel there there was one episode where you finally got to see that and that that one for me it was really important because that's when Assam asks her or when she asks him to stay and have a drink with her and then he says no you know I'm sure you got plenty of options and it's the first time where you see her break and and it, but defensive of course vulnerable and defensive of no actually you don't you don't know me and that was that was sort of the, the beginning I think of of getting to know Vega more and 
that she 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 has she has hurt she has a lot of pain she's very lonely and she's fronting mm, yeah. did you have any challenges like playing this character was there any times where like how am i going to play a certain scene with this character well the ch- for me the biggest challenge actually was in uh, there's there's a scene where everything just goes haywire and uh and we had episode six was filmed at the very end of the season so at this point a lot of people had gone home like the the, the rest of the cast is not, yeah. not in that episode and there was a crunch with time and budget and, and all of this and so everything was moving really fast and we didn't have enough time and some you know there have been injuries yeah. and so we didn't have the time to choreograph some of the stunts some of the fights and so we literally had minutes where they're like okay you're gonna do this you're gonna do this you're gonna do this it's like what now it's a testament to the guys because they've been doing it for a long time and they've been training in their own life martial arts for a long time they were able to pick up the choreography really fast and get it and it's also really important that we had we could only do these things in a few yeah. takes because there's uh, glasses breaking and you only have a few a, a few things that you can use that will break right yeah. and um, and so the fact that with all the adrenaline pumping that we were able to to do it for me it was it was a challenge I was really afraid I wasn't going to be able to to rise to the occasion because I had you know I had a few minutes to figure out okay I get punched and then I go this and I go there and then I flip over and then I land and then I boo and it was just like boo and then you do this and then you kick and then you, it was just all like oh my god if I don't remember any of this and then the stunt guys <laughs> around us and, and so yeah. we didn't use stunt people right yeah. but the but for, for our stunt we didn't have time so it was it was the other fighters the other the other people our, our stunt guys and so they were incredible with all of us. They're like, we got you. Um, we'll remind you in the moment if you got to do this right. because it's just like one long shot for the most part. So there wasn't, there wasn't the room to, to mess up. So for me, that was the most challenging uh, scene by far. Uh, the, the gun scene too was a little challenging because I was afraid I was going to do this really fast, um, load it, you know, lock load it and, and, and shoot him quickly without anyone realizing what was going on. But, but those are scenes, sometimes what happens is, is these scenes that you're so challenged by, that they're not, ne- they're not necessarily your favorite to do because, because they're so technical and nerve wracking and are the ones that when you see on screen, like, that's my favorite, that's so awesome. Yeah. I did that, no way, how did, you know? Um, so. When you say favorite scene, it's like okay, favorite to do or favorite to watch. Both, I guess. But like, how's your exactly. adrenaline when you're doing that? Like, how's your adrenaline? Well, you know, you've done an off. It came out good. Everybody's like excited on set. Like, how do you how do you feel? It feels good, but you, you don't have time to like to, level in that. Yeah. No, you don't have time because like, okay, next you got to go. You, it, it, okay, come on. It, yeah. It's it's almost like it doesn't hit you till later on. And, and usually, and I've noticed this in, in, in this business in general, yeah. is that if you're doing things well, the, the way you know is it moves fast and they move on. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they won't give that positive feedback. Yeah. And if it's not going well, then they'll come and they'll you know direct and say, can you try this and that? So you can't live 
with or be dependent on on that positive feedback that's mm-hmm. something that you've got to be comfortable in your own skin and and confident enough in your abilities and, and what you're doing to be to be okay without without getting that yeah. now you've uh, you had a lot of seeds with andrew like how do you like how would you describe the chemistry between you two um andrew is an amazing amazing person he is he's one of the few actors I've worked with that is so, 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 so focused to the point and living the life of the character to the point that, that it could hurt himself. You know, he's watching every calorie, he's stressing himself out. He's, he's a perfectionist and he's, he's very um, inspiring to work with because of that you know which is really inspiring to work with and as a person he's when he relaxes he's and and he's not uh you know focused on that he's hilarious so witty really funny like with his and um and he was he was awesome it felt comfortable I mean look we have we have a sex scene which felt totally easy and comfortable no weirdness no awkwardness and and it it's a lot of, of how he is as, as a person, how open and, and, and giving he is as an artist. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, it was awesome. I, sometimes I, I wish that, that the show had given Vega and Assam a little bit more time that wasn't so business and money yeah. exchange oriented so that, you could, so that you could see their bond because they have so much in common. And they're both these outsiders away from home and just trying to survive and figure out what to do. And so, and, and lonely really at the end of the day. So, so I, I yeah, I, that's something that I kind of wish that the audience could have gotten a little more of before her backstory came to play. Yeah. Maybe we need a Rosalita spinoff or a prequel. What do you think? <laughs> that would be very interesting. <laughs> I'm sure that would be quite colorful too. Yeah. So, um, any word on season three? Have you heard anything about season three yet? No, you know what? It's, it's no, I mean, everybody is wanting it so bad and it's just sort of in the stalemate and it's, it's the corporate reshuffling and then HBO, even though HBO was the mother company, right? So all of our, all of our contracts and, and all of, of our communication was with HBO, but Cinemax is now over and, HBO's got too many productions that they're paying. And so it's, I think it's a matter of drumming up fans and just getting them to, to demand, Mm. demand it. But everyone's still in, in, in this holding uh, pair. They've let go, unfortunately, like the, um, uh, the studio in, in Cape Town, they broke down sets and, you know, costumes are gone and all all the stuff is, is gone and everybody's, everyone's schedules they've taken on different different projects right uh, but it it's that never means that that's it can't okay. be recreated exactly you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's uh what's next for you i know you said you've been at in houston since march like you've been working oh, yeah. work. any other projects <laughs> you've been doing there over there or like over here or auditioning well, um, self-tapes audition. oh yes a lot of self-tapes and auditioning i've been um uh a couple of things that then were like canceled. Um, I've got, I'm, I'm attached to three, three different uh, projects that are, that are 
in development pitching, yeah. you know, what we call development hell. Two of them we have shot some stuff for. Uh, one of them we've been doing table reads for. So hopefully one of those will stick pretty soon because they're, they're, they're actively pitching and getting good, good um, uh, promises by some people. Yeah. So, so that would be, that would be freaking awesome. And uh, but yeah, for the most part, just my auditioning. Yeah, uh, lastly, how can the listeners and the viewers uh, find you on uh, social media? Oh, uh, everything's under my name. So uh, for those of you who speak Spanish, Maria Elena Lassi, L-A-A-S. For you guys who don't, Maria Elena, E-L-E-N-A, Loss, L-A-A-S. And yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, mostly on Instagram, Facebook, just at the private page, the yeah. family page, which I don't even use that much. Yeah. And then Twitter, I go in and out. Like, and there'll be a year or two that I don't check it. And then all of a sudden I'm into it for like a month or two. So yeah. Instagram. <laughs> there you go. Maria, Atlanta, thank you for coming on. This was fun. Thank you. Great to meet you. Well, it's exciting. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.